Big Ten Football Talk Podcast. I'm your host, Zach Guggenheim. Best case, worst case. We're running it back. Year two of doing this. We're really excited as we look at each team in the Big Ten. And as the title suggests, we're going to look at the best case scenario and the worst case scenario of every team in the Big Ten. We're going to do one team each from the East and the West each episode. Leading up to the beginning of the season, we're going to start with the projected worst teams, or maybe I should say the seventh place teams of each division, working our way up to Phil Steele's projected first place teams in each division. If you like the podcast or you want to get plugged in with what we're doing here, make sure to like, follow, and subscribe. Make sure to leave a review, leave us some feedback, follow us on Instagram at and Twitter at Big Ten Football Talk. If you want to send me an email, Big Ten Football Talk at gmail.com. That's where you can hit me up. Make sure you're following. Make sure you are subscribed so you can get all the latest content as the college football season starts to get underway. And so Phil Steele, uh, if you don't know anything about Phil Steele, probably the most uh, preparation that anyone does in the preseason And his magazine came out earlier this month, and he had his power ratings, his power rankings, and his projected finishes in the Big Ten. And it shouldn't be a surprise, probably, that the the, kind of the basement teams or the seventh place teams in the East and the West are Indiana and Purdue. Now, I think, obviously, this magazine was written before everything went down with Pat Fitzgerald. And so I think there's a a little bit there. I'm not going to spend a ton of time talking about where they should be rated in this series. We're going to do that probably a week before the season when I come out with my my preseason Big Ten rankings, my my preseason kind of rundown of, of each team and their schedule. We've done that the past couple of years. But what we really want to do, how we want to go through this is every episode we're, we're going to go through a reasonable worst case scenario and a reasonable best case scenario for each team. And for some teams, it's going to be, and you'll hear this today, well, honestly, the best case is like 1 in 11, or the worst case, sorry, the worst case is like 1 in 11, and here's what happens. And then there's a realistic best case where, you know, it might be a 10% chance or a 5% chance, but it's at least realistic. And so that's kind of what we want to do throughout this series. And so that's what we're doing. We're going to start with Indiana, and then we'll take a quick break, and then we'll we'll switch to Purdue. And again, if, if you want to interact on this, if you want to engage on this, make sure to send me an email. Make sure to uh, 
tweet out when I put this on Twitter or, or comment and Instagram, make sure we, we would love interaction, fan interaction. So uh, Indiana is in a, a weird place because like many teams in this day and age, there's a lot of turnover in the transfer, por- transfer portal. So Jack Tuttle uh, is, is gone. Basilac, uh, Connor Basilac is gone. I think they, they graduated. Um, D- Dasan McCullough, who is probably maybe their brightest rising star, transferred out. He was, he was at linebacker. And so they, they lost a lot of guys. They, they lost a lot of guys to graduation as well. They lost Sean Shivers, who was, who was pretty good. But they also bring in some, I think, some much-needed excitement. So at quarterback, you have redshirt, redshirt freshman Tavon Jackson, who's from Greenwood, Indiana, so he's, he's local. He was uh, behind a couple quarterbacks at Tennessee, so he's, he's probably never going to see the field because you had – uh, you have Joe Milton, uh, you had Hendon Hooker, so he's at best going to be the backup, probably going to be maybe third string again this year. So just, he comes in, he was a four-star recruit, you know, in the, in the 200s, I think he was the number 12 quarterback in his class. So that's exciting, like that's, that's, that's big, at least for potential, you get Cam Camper back, who before he got injured was having a heck of a year. You know, 570 yards, five, well, 569 to be exact, and seven starts. Uh, I think he then played an eighth game, but that's when he got hurt. And so he's averaging around 80 yards a start. That's really good. And he's a big target, 6'3, 200 pounds. Um, so he comes back. Anderson Kobe's back at receiver. Again, another big target. They get EJ Williams uh, transfer out of Clemson, who comes in. So they have a, a pretty good receiving core. Uh, I think the running backs, you know, Josh Henderson, he's a senior. He's been there for a while. Uh, he's been pretty good. Jalen Lucas, they're excited about him. He's a little scat back, 5'9", 170 pounds. You know, he's got some speed. He's got some athleticism. So they they have some weapons, uh, I think they're excited about the the offensive line. Um, they get a, a transfer out of UMass and Max Longman. Um, they also have a new offensive line coach, Bob Bostad, comes over from Wisconsin. And, you know, offensive line, Wisconsin, you know, if you get anybody from Wisconsin related to the offensive line, you're probably going to see a, a improvement. Um, they also have, you know, aside from the UMass transfer Longman, they have four offensive linemen that have been full-time starters. So this is a an experienced group. Uh, it's an improved group for sure. And add to that the defensive line, who Tom Allen thinks this might be the best defensive line uh, in his tenure. And that's despite the fact that he, lo- he lost pretty much their entire first string uh, they, they add six power five transfers who Tom Allen thinks they might be really, really good. You know, they might be the best line. So Andre Carter comes over from Western Michigan. He had 22 starts, 132 tackles at Western Michigan. He's a big boy, 6'5", 265. Patrick Lucas, a junior, comes in. 
uh, he, he was at Indiana last year, but he's a big-time nose guard, 6'3", 317 pounds. He will most likely man that nose guard position. Uh, and then you have Philip Bleedy or Blighty. Uh, he played at Texas Tech for three years. And you have a, a few other guys coming in um, as well. You have Carl Biddings, who played at Louisville. So just you've got some some fresh blood. That I think probably the what really hurts is losing McCullough in that middle of the defense, right? So you've got some guys who are experienced. Noah Pierre at the Husky position, senior. Aaron Casey, uh, who started one game last. He, he is he did start a game last year. He's a senior. So these guys have been in the program. Jacob Magnum Ferrar is a senior. He comes over from Stanford. He'll, he'll man the middle of that defense most likely. And so you've got, again, you've, you've got some guys that are coming in. Uh, the defensive backfield should be a little better with some of the transfers that, they co- that, that come in. Um, they're adding three power five transfers. So I think it's a good group and I, I think as much as I have talked poorly about Indiana it's not because I, I think there's opportunity I think probably the biggest problem for Indiana is is not the roster um, at least for Indiana you know I think if we're talking five six years ago I think this is very likely uh they're competing for a bowl spot. But the problem is the Big Ten's gotten better. And that's, as I talk about worst case, best case, that's going to be the problem is the schedule is tough. And I think the not only is the schedule tough, the conference has just gotten so much better across the board. So let's, let's talk worst case scenario first. And I think the worst case is you have all these transfers coming in. So this is beginning of the year, preseason, all these transfers coming in, and you think this could be really good, and they just don't gel. And they, you know, they they really scrap and claw, but they're just not getting it. Uh, Taven Jackson isn't picking up the playbook. Uh, the defense really isn't clicking. The offensive line under a new offensive line coach, they're not understanding the concepts of the, of the line. You get to September 2nd, you open with Ohio State, and you get creamed. 56 nothing, Just right out the gate. And all momentum is kind of zapped out of the program. Indiana State on a Friday. Indiana State's really bad. I mean, they're really bad. So I don't think... I, I think it would take a lot for Indiana to... Not, to, I think it would take a lot for Indiana to win that game by seven points, right? Like, I, Indiana should win that game by double digits, but again, in the worst case scenario where things just aren't gelling, you know, they have a lot of new starters, uh, a lot of new people to the program, they just squeak by and they win by a touchdown. It's like. T- 31 to 24, something like that. The offense looks stagnant, but they just get enough going. The defense looks a little lost. And then they get this neutral site game against Louisville. 
coached by former rival uh, Jeff Brom, and Louisville takes him to the woodshed, 45 to nothing, 45-7, something like that. And then they're limping into Akron, who again, is Akron is not very good, and Indiana is stunned at home against Akron because they've lost all momentum. People are quitting on Coach Allen at Maryland. Again, blowout loss. Tom Allen is fired at the bye week, and they go O for the rest of the way. They put up a decent fight against Rutgers, but ultimately they're not able to compete because they, they've just lost, they've kind of lost whatever they're, they're fighting for. And they go one for 11, one and 11. And it's just a, a complete wash of a season. Hoosiers, if you're listening to this, stay with me. I think that's possible. I think it's possible. I, I really doubt they lose to Akron, by the way. But I do think there's an optimistic best-case scenario, one that's at least bowl-eligible. So let's, let's go to the best-case. Best-case, you get all these transfers, and Jackson really connects with Cam Camper and his receivers. EJ Williams takes a step up from when he was at Clemson and becomes a very good third receiver. The running backs, Jalen Lucas is, is a dynamic playmaker. The offensive line solidifies. The defensive line solidifies. The, it's the, they're the best lines in, in Coach Allen's tenure, which I think is possible. And they host Ohio State. And for Ohio State, their offensive line is a little shaky. And they're able to get some pressure on Kyle McCord or Devin Brown, whoever the starter is. And they give Ohio State its best shot since uh, 2020. Ultimately, ends up seeming more like the 2017 game, where they were ahead of Ohio State for a while. They kept it closed for, for three quarters, and then Ohio State kind of pulled away. But, but they put out a good showing, and Taven Jackson shows that he is a, a middle-of-the-road to high-level starter in the Big Ten. And they, they lose by maybe two touchdowns. They go to Indiana State, thro- or they, Indiana State comes to them, throttle them. And then they get Louisville in Indianapolis. Louisville, heavy favorite, maybe like a 10.5 point favorite. And they upset Louisville in Indy. They have a hometown crowd, even though I know Louisville is pretty close to Indy. But the Hoosier fans, they're excited. They saw how they competed against one of the top teams in the country in Ohio State, and they upset Louisville, and they beat Akron. So they're 3-1 and one heading into Maryland, and at Maryland, they give it a good shot, but Maryland has just a little too much, and they fall to 3-2 and two going into the bye week. Then they go to Michigan. Again, put up a good fight, but Michigan kind of punches them in the mouth in the, in the second half. And they lose by a few touchdowns, but they're not. Uh, they, they don't feel ashamed of themselves. They fought and they fought hard, and they go to Rutgers. They host Rutgers and they beat Rutgers four and three. They go to Penn State, and Penn State beats them at home four and four. Then they host Wisconsin. They lose to Wisconsin at Illinois. Uh, 
they put up a really good fight and they're able to upset a depleted Illinois team, putting them at five and five. And they host Michigan State. They're able to beat Michigan State. And then the old Oaken Bucket game, at, they're already at six and five. They're already bowl eligible. Purdue is just been awful. Purdue is like 1-10, and and they make it 1-11. and And Indiana sends the Boilermakers packing back home. They're going to, they're going to a, a bowl game for the first time in a few years, 7-5. and And they win their bowl game, 8-5. and And the Hoosiers are convinced that Tom Allen is still the right guy for the job as divisions go away. And now they don't have to face... Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, and Michigan State every year uh, in the same division. So, I again, I would put the best case scenario as, you know, maybe a 5 to 10% chance. But I think with the transfers they're bringing in, if everything clicks, I, I think you are looking at a bowl team. But that's a big if, if everything clicks. They, they have good talent that they've brought in now it's just got to, it's, it's all got to coalesce. My guess, and I'm just going to give you where I'm probably going there. It's, I'm probably going to have a three and nine, four and eight is where I'm, I'm looking at for the Hoosiers. But if you're a Hoosiers fan, I think there is reason for optimism, particularly see how they come out against Ohio State. If Ohio State, if, if Ohio State blows them out of the water, well, it, it could just be that Ohio State might be a top five team in the country. But if they can hold their own against a team with a lot of talent, I think that will bode well for the rest of the year. So let's take a quick break and then we're going to go to Purdue. Find a fresh take on a fall getaway to Wilmington, North Carolina and beaches. Enjoy hiking trails in a state park, fresh seafood with a sight of live music and fall festivals galore. Then live it up along the Riverwalk in Wilmington's historic downtown. With three island beaches, Carolina, Curie and Wrightsville and a vibrant downtown, you get the best of the Carolina coast all in one place. Plan your fall getaway at WilmingtonandBeachesVacation.com. Welcome back to the Big Ten Football Talk podcast. Next up, the Purdue Boilermakers for best case, worst case. In a lot of ways, last year, Purdue had, I think, a kind of a magical season that could have even been better, right? They were a minute away from beating Penn State. They were, I think, seven seconds away from beating Syracuse. They could have won, I think, 10 games, and instead they, they won eight and still won the the West. Uh, they were somewhat competitive against Michigan. Um, they held a, a, a yardage edge against Michigan, but obviously the the score was a little uh, a little different um, where they, they lost 43 to 22. So this this team last year, it kind of had a dream season, right? They they win the conference, and then at the end of the year, they lose their coach, and then they really lose a bulk of the heart of their team, right? Aiden O'Connell out, uh, Charlie Jones gone, uh, Payne Durham, who I thought was maybe one of the most underrated tight ends in the country, and 
because of all that, you saw the bowl game where, first of all, LSU was, I, I think they're hitting their stride, and there was just no momentum left for Purdue as they were coming off that, that Big Ten championship loss. So where does Purdue go from here? What's the psyche of this team? I I don't think... I don't think they're going to be able to repeat for several reasons. One is the roster turnover. Uh, and it's not just the talent, but the culture, right? Aiden O'Connell was was the unquestioned leader of that team. Payne Durham was an unquestioned major target. Charlie Jones was maybe the surprise of the year in the Big Ten. You know, he had more receiving yards than Marvin Harrison, uh, I think more. I think he had the same amount of touchdowns. He he may have had a couple less than than Charlie Jones, uh, or than than Marvin Harrison. But I mean, it, Charlie Jones was one of the best receivers, not just in the conference but in the country last year, and he's gone. Uh, the defense takes a hit. You know, they lose four out of five starters in the defensive backfield, including Corey Trice, who I thought was a, a, a really good defensive. Uh, a really good corner for them. So there's a lot of turnover, and then you have the coaching turnover, right? Jeff Brom did such a good job, and now he's over at Louisville. And now Ryan Walters comes over, who was great as the defensive coordinator at Illinois, right? And he he did a decent job at Missouri before that. So I like Ryan Walters. I think the new offensive coordinator, Graham Harrell, uh, he's a bright young mind, obviously was a great quarterback at Texas Tech. He's the offensive coordinator at West Virginia. Um, also, he was at USC in North Texas before that. But, you know, this is kind of a work in progress. And I think unlike last year, you know, I, th- I think Purdue kind of had the perfect storm last year. They, I think, had a veteran roster. They didn't get Ohio State and Michigan. And, like, quite honestly, the West was probably the worst iteration of itself, right? Wisconsin wasn't great. Iowa wasn't great. Illinois had a really good defense. And, you know, but I think if if that version of Illinois were in this version of the Big Ten this year, I'm not sure Illinois does as well. So and and same thing with Purdue. So it's a tougher schedule, a lot of transition. That's not to say that Purdue is going to be hapless, right? Hudson Card transfers in from Texas. I think he's he's got a lot of talent. You know, he kept him close. You know, when Quinn Ewers went out in that Texas Alabama game. You know, Devin Mockaby. Surprised a lot of people. Who's honorable mention Big Ten last year? Uh, Nine hundred and sixty-eight yards, average five yards a carry. And Purdue doesn't typically run the ball very well, and he was averaging five yards a carry. So I think Maccabi is. I, th- I think there's something to build on there. Uh, you've got a few other guys that you know are coming back. Dylan Downing, um, a couple of freshmen that they're they're high on. Tyrone Tracy. Uh, sorry, Tyrone Tracy's not a, not a freshman. Uh, Adai Llewellyn is is the one I'm thinking of. The receivers, I think, while they lose receivers, there's there's some excitement around the receivers. T.J. Sheffield, uh, 
has shown flashes. Corey Gamage comes over from Marshall. He had 32 starts, 2,248 yards at Marshall over, over the past couple years. Uh, he's a big target, six foot four, 220 pounds. So I think they're really excited about him. Jamal Edrine, a sophomore, comes over from Florida Atlantic. Again, another big target at 6'3", 214 yards. Um, Garrett Miller takes over the tight end spot. And, you know, they do have some returning talent on the offensive line. Three guys uh, come back on the offensive line, uh, and then they replace uh, a couple of their starters, uh, Jalen Grant and DJ Johnson, um, and both have starting experience. Jalen Grant started 27 games at Bowling Green. So you have some experience on that line. And so maybe you see some more running early. You know, they're going to run a, it looks like they're going to run a three, four on defense. Uh, again, not a ton of returning talent, uh, Cam Allen mans the star position, OC brothers, uh, at, at one of the inside linebacker positions, uh, Kydron Jenkins, uh, at one of the outside linebacker spot spots. Um, sorry, I, I said three, four, it, it looks more like a three, three, five, um, depending on how they deploy the star position. I'm assuming it's more of a, it's more of a secondary position with Cam Allen being six, one, 195 pounds. Um, but he's, he's very, again, very gifted, I think, a good player for them. He's a senior. Um, but outside of the middle of that defense and, a, and some of the back seven, a lot of new faces. So, again, there's, there's, I think there's talent on this team. You know, they have guys who have transferred in. Um, Isaiah Nichols comes over from Arkansas. Uh, Jeff, Jeffrey Mba comes over from Auburn. Uh, those guys are both defensive tackles. Um, they, they get Marquise Wilson out of Penn State uh, over at the corner position. So you've got some guys who've transferred in. I think f- people that they're excited about, Anthony Brown, uh, free safety out of Arkansas. So they've had a lot of turnover, but they are getting some guys out of the transfer portal. So how do I see this breaking down? Well, let's do, again, let's do worst case first um, with this squad. Again, this is, it's a tough, tough schedule. And it starts with a non-conference. Honestly, I think the worst case scenario, they go over in the non-conference. Fresno State was ranked 24th at the end of the season last year. That's not an easy group of five game. And that's their first game. And it's, you know, Ryan Walter's first uh, f- first start. Uh, well, it's not his first game because he was there for the bowl game. But it's his first season opener at Purdue. First game as a head coach. Really his first game, first game uh, as a head coach. And I could really see the jitters. I could really see... You know, a Fresno State team that's hungry to prove that last year wasn't a fluke, and they lose. And then they go to Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech was three and nine last year, but Lane Stadium is one of the hardest places to play. It's Purdue's first ever trip to Blacksburg. 
And the last time Purdue played Virginia Tech, it was a 51-24 loss. Um, Now, granted, Virginia Tech was a little bit better in 2015. um, But I still think that's going to be a tough game, despite how good or not good Virginia Tech is. I think that's going to be a tough game, and I could see them losing that game on the road. And then they get Syracuse at home. Again, last year, Purdue lost. Um, You know, they lost the last second. And while I don't think Syracuse is that great, I could see where Purdue losing all that talent, losing all the kind of the heart and soul of their team, losing their coach. They're just discombobulated. They're already 0-2. And then they drop to 0-3. It doesn't get easier. They host Wisconsin, loss. They host Illinois, loss. They go to Iowa, loss. They face Ohio State, loss, by week. At Nebraska, loss. At Michigan, loss. Minnesota, loss. At Northwestern, David Braun rallies the troops, loss. Indiana, they get the best version of Indiana, they go 0-12. Now, Boilermakers, don't get mad at me, because I think the best case... I don't think it's maybe as optimistic as I was with Indiana. I, I think there's there, there's some real possibility here. I think a bowl game's on the table for the best case. They get Fresno State. And again, things kind of gel in training camp. And it's a tight game all the way. And they win by a field goal. And then they go to Virginia Tech. And Virginia Tech has not gotten any better. In fact, they've regressed a bit. And they stomp them. Beat them by 21. And then they host Syracuse. And again, Syracuse is not the same. It is not as good as last year. And they beat Syracuse. So they start 3-0. And they're ranked in the top 25. That ends very quickly. As they lose to Wisconsin. I just don't think they can beat Wisconsin. I think Wisconsin's going to be really good, especially with Tanner Mordecai at quarterback. I think that's that's one of the most underrated moves in the Big Ten. So they lose to Wisconsin, but you know Illinois, without their uh, their defensive backfield, with without their their guys in that secondary who are just so so good, Hudson Card Cooks carves them up, and they get to four and one. They lose to Iowa and Ohio State, so they're four and three. But they play at Nebraska, and Nebraska has improved, but they have not improved that much. And Purdue is able to upset the Cornhuskers, so they're five and three. They lose at Michigan, so five and four. But they sink the boat of PJ Fleck, six and four, at Northwestern, seven and four, and then they get Indiana. And they beat Indiana for the old oaken bucket. And that same day, Tom Allen is fired. Because Indiana missed a bowl game because of it. So that's what I think. I think the best case scenario, again, I don't think it's likely. I think, But I think the best case scenario is 8-4. and four. And then they go maybe either to a New Year's, uh, New Year's uh, bowl game or a New Year's Eve bowl game where they would probably lose because they would probably get to a team that's a little higher ranked than they are, and they, they would get beat. 
But still, eight and five would be, I think, very respectable for them. Where I probably have them, um, if I'm just reading the tea leaves, probably somewhere in the in the three to five win range. I I think, and just for Boilermaker fans to understand, that that non conference schedule is is really tough. Like it's really tough. Like Fresno State might be the toughest game of the of the bunch, and while Virginia Tech, you know, Virginia Tech's not hasn't been great in years, to go on the road to Lane Stadium, it's I you know even if they were three and nine last year, I I'm just very concerned about about them going there. So I I think they I think they can get some wins. I think they could. I think they can finish in the mid the middle of the Big 10 West but you have to understand this is a much much harder schedule it's a much harder schedule than a year than a year ago in fact i think Phil Steele uh his schedule difficulty for Purdue is fifth in the country right like num- fit, not fifth in the Big 10 fifth in the country if you compare that to everybody else you know northwestern he has at 28. Uh, Nebraska's 51. Uh, Minnesota at 7. So, I mean, Minnesota also has a pretty tough schedule. Um, Illinois, it's 35. Iowa, it's 69. And Wisconsin, it's 59. And so they have the toughest schedule of anybody in the West. So I, you got to understand, that's, that's part of the problem and the other part of the problem is they just lost so much. So that's that's my read on things. But again, I think if everything coalesces and Ryan Walters does a really good job, coaches up that defense, Hudson Card cooks, Sheffield really takes that next step, Gamage is, is a top receiver, I think they can do some business. But my guess is I, I'd probably put them in the you know three to five win range. Um, that'll do it for the first edition of the 2023 best case, worst case. Make sure again to like, follow, subscribe. Well, I'll try to do two a week, uh, in the next few weeks, uh, up until we finish out all seven, um, all 14 teams, all seven of each division. So thanks for listening. Take care. God bless.